Welcome to E-Commerce with Coffee, a podcast powered by Amber Engine, where we share e-com secrets for brands over your favorite brew. We start with the caffeine and then leap enthusiastically into behind-the-scenes e-com insights that led to the success of our guests. I'm Nate Svoboda, and I'm about to serve you up the best. Let's get started. Welcome to today's episode of E-Commerce with Coffee. I am particularly excited today to be speaking with Ben Parr. He is the president and co-founder of Octane AI, which is a zero-party data platform that helps Shopify and Shopify Plus merchants. So today we're going to be talking about zero-party data and how quizzes could be great for building more authentic relationships with your consumers. So, you know, Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Am I allowed on the show, by the way, if I'm currently drinking green tea instead of coffee? Or is that like you know, uh, against the rules? We have had some non-coffee drinkers. Are you exclusively tea? Do you ever drink coffee? Oh, I drink coffee all the time. It's just uh, I'll, if I'm going to get a caffeine kick after the like morning cup or the morning two cups, I will usually switch to green teas for my sanity. Hey, non or well, you are a coffee drinker, but tea drinkers are just as welcome. We, we, I think we need to change the show name to e-commerce with caffeine. I think that might be more fitting. Um, we've also had a ton of people on here who don't even really uh, use caffeine. So I guess whatever you need to have that natural energy, some people don't even need, uh, need any help with that. Who knows? Everyone's there, different. There, there, there are so many different kinds of drugs that can keep you awake. Uh, but don't turn to anything except caffeine because caffeine is great and good for your health. And I will fight anyone who says otherwise. I love that. I love the energy. Well, you know, Ben, I think before we kind of dive into the, the meat today, right, you know, my understanding, you co-founded Octane AI in 2016, right? And you guys have been seeing tremendous growth in the past few years. Uh, and plus, you guys have also been recognized, you know, I think it was this year or last year, for having an amazing remote culture, right? You guys are an all-remote company. Can you, if, if you even can, tell us what is the biggest learning that you've had over this journey? Oh, I mean... There's like a hundred different things that could go and say, but with like, we started out distributed since the very beginning, since 2016 when we first started the company. And so uh, we were a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, and in fact, there was investors who would tell us no to, because we were like distributed. And then the pandemic happened and suddenly everything flipped. Lots of people were interested in working with us. We had just raised a round of funding, people coming to us for advice. I mean, I've learned a lot of lessons about building remote, but I think just like the biggest one is you've got to, it's just my biggest lesson is that you can build deep, if not deeper relationships in distributed just as much as you can in like a full in-person in-time office. And I think if you kind of like take the ego out of it, you're like, why, like there are certain cases and certain kinds of verticals and industries where an office can be helpful. Uh, but you can also replicate that by like bringing people together, by having co-working, by having retreats, by doing those other kinds of things. But the benefits, just the capability, like one, like it's not even just like, the benefits of like having the ability to just have focused time to like execute on things. It's just what the world expects. And, you know, you want to go and recruit and hire the best talent. The best talent are looking for flexibility. And if you're not willing to offer that, you're just not going to have the best talent. Your company is going to be uh, filled with B players. You're going to like start to go like downhill. Again, there are exceptions. You're like hardcore manufacturing. You something like that. I understand like why 
all in person makes sense in the tangible feeling. But you got like the world has changed, and the only question is like, uh, which companies have changed? Not to mention, the last piece I'll say here is that uh, it is a workers' market for sure, and obviously like there's a bit of a labor shortage, and the result of that means like the workers have more say in the kinds of conditions and the kinds of things they want to work. Yep. No, absolutely. And I mean, you know, you hit on you hit the nail on the head. I mean, starting especially at the beginning of the pandemic, if a company wasn't willing to let people live where they want, then, you know, they were really missing out on a huge pool of workers. Um, you know, Amber Engine, we're also fully remote, uh, especially since the pandemic. And I often find that, you know, the Zoom meetings I do have, they're just as meaningful as in-person conversations would be, you know, but then we're also not losing out on, you know, some of the, the distracting conversations that sometimes come. But we also have a workspace we can co-work at. So totally agree. And I love how you guys have been able to you know build a really strong team culture with all of that yeah Um, it's been super it's been super awesome anyway (laughs) well yeah no so you know ben we're talking about zero party data today so would love if maybe start from the basics for our listeners who don't know what is zero party data so uh zero party data let me get some broader context before i actually answer the question broader context the world for e-commerce has fundamentally changed this year, and it changed because of iOS 18.5 and data privacy changes. In the past, for the last maybe decade, we as e-commerce brands have been able to borrow data from Facebook in particular, but other places to generate customers and leads. And that was okay because Facebook ads were cheap. The first wave of e-commerce companies were built on top of this. But this year, that's changed because... Uh, iOS 14.5 came out and it gave people the ability to opt out of tracking. 96% of U.S. customers who have iOS 14.5 or 15 opted out of data tracking. It meant that, you know, third-party aggregators like Facebook didn't have anywhere near the same level of data that they used to have, which really hurt conversion rates and especially retargeting ads. Okay, so now how do you solve that? It is don't rely on third-party data sources, the scraping and the pieces, because that's going away over time. You know, in a year or so, Google will remove support for third-party cookies, and that'll be the end of that. And we're just at the beginning of a big transformation. So what do you do? You need to have your own data set to do your own retargeting, both on ads and through especially email and SMS and channels you own. Uh, And to do that, you need first-party data, which is data that you're tracking, behavior data. This is things like people making purchases. This is Google click data, analytics, things like that. But the really important data, the most valuable data, is zero-party data. That is the data that you collect directly from your customers, volunteered. It comes often in the form of you asking questions and them giving answers. This is how you get detailed data like skin tone, what people are looking for, what their allergies are, taste preferences, who they're shopping for, data that you cannot collect anywhere else. And if you have that data and you can reference that data in your ads, in your email, in your SMS, I don't even have to tell you, but I'll give you stats later, you're going to vastly increase revenue and future-proof your business against all the privacy changes that are happening because you will have your own data set that you own. So I guess, you know, and you touched on this a little bit, right? Obviously, the value of, you know, building a foundation that makes it easy so when these data privacy changes are happening, you can be flexible. So what was it if you know that you saw in the user experience that addressed this right obviously you know i can think of a few from from things that i've heard you say in the past but what benefits the consumer from a brand having the access to this zero party data so let's talk kind of through that experience because that's what we at octaning i do right one is like the first experience you have which is when you get on the website you're not exactly sure what you're 
looking for, you know maybe like I need to fix my skin, but I don't know what skincare routine to take. This is where something like a guided shopping experience or a quiz, which is like our star shop product, helps with. It is helping with consumers who are like, I need a little bit of help figuring out what to buy. The equivalent in the retail store is the associate or the consultant in the store that's giving you guidance, asking you questions, helping recommend products so you have a lot of confidence in your purchase and educating you through the process. That's what a quiz can help you go and do on the website. Vastly increases conversions, uh, vastly increases the AOV of customers going through. But that's like not even the main benefit. The main benefit is taking that data and leveraging it in email and SMS. And that's super useful for an end consumer because instead of getting sent 50 emails about random things that are not relevant to them, you know, they can just get sent one email that's really relevant. Pretend that you're a pet food brand and you ask if they have a cat or a dog. You know, they say they have a cat. You know, you don't have to send any emails about dogs which are completely useless to this person. That personalization actually cleans up their inbox makes the recommendations much more uh, effective and helpful and targeted. They don't have to sift through things that are not relevant to them. That greatly improves the consumer experience using this data that you have collected. And so, uh, and like brands, consumers in particular, are expecting more and more that brands do some level of personalization. And you can't do that without data. So it's one of those rare opportunities where this is really good for the consumer and really good for the brand too. And it's a win all around by relying less on third-party data and relying on your own zero-party data. I love that because, you know, everyone, when they're talking about, you know, these data privacy changes and, you know, you mentioned Facebook, you mentioned Google, you know, the consumer is now just going to get blasted with emails because the brands aren't going to even necessarily always be able to target directly, right? But so having access to this data, you know, I, I love that. Now, I'd imagine, you know, there's a lot of psychology that goes into building these quizzes. Right. So I wonder if you could speak to are there any, you know, specific factors about the quizzes that you create or, or any, um, you know, anything specifically that drives the urge to, for the user to engage? So it's for one, again, you'd be shocked by how many people want to engage because they're looking for some kind of help. As long as it's like featured on the homepage or in the nav or even emailed out, you're going to see a lot of engagement, especially if you make it helpful to them in some way. Like, let's find the right shade for you. Let's find the right pet food. Let's find the right, uh, like, routine, the right box. You know, you do these quizzes all the time when you go and, like, get, like, a coffee subscription or, you know, you go through, like, a quiz that personalized, like, the box you get from a FabFitFun or something, right? This is, we productize that, make it super easy to go and build that without having to go and code and build a whole bunch of things. And the things that make these like things, these quizzes or uh, guided shopping experiences engaging are the same things that would make it conversation in person engaging, right? Are they asking the super relevant questions? Um, imagery actually really matters too. So uh, we see quizzes that use, you know, GIFs and images do have a higher engagement rate overall than others that don't. You find the right amount of questions too. So if you ask one question, for example, in a quiz, uh, and that's it, it's too short. Like imagine going to the store and being like, hey, I'm looking for some shoes. All right, which size are you? 14? Great, I have the perfect shoes for you. You're like, that makes no sense at all. But asking five to 10 questions somewhere in that range, you're gonna have a, lot, a customer who's a lot more confident in their purchase. And then like one last one is just like, make it conversational, make it fun. Think of it as like a, it's almost like a chatbot on the website. It's a back and forth conversation that's built into the website itself. 
So make it fun, make it engaging, have like, you know, a little bit of fun and silliness, depending on the type of brand you are, and make it feel like you're talking with a human in the store. I appreciate all the examples that you just gave. I think there were a lot of great nuggets in that. Now, it sounds like there's a lot of of data and information that the brand has to have ready about their products, right? Their their catalog has to be organized somewhere. I'd imagine there's a lot of stuff they have to give your team in order to build these tools, right? I I know you guys say it's really easy to implement, you know, the, uh, the uh, the Facebook messaging and then obviously the Shopify plugins. What are some of the most common challenges brands have when they come to and begin wanting to work with your, your tool, your systems? So one, I will push back a little bit. You know, you don't have to really do anything on the store side from data in. Like if you have a Shopify store, you connect to Shopify store, we pull that data automatically so that you can just like insert different products into different things. So we have two main products and I'll talk a little bit about. So we have the quiz and the conversational pop-up, which is our newer product. Uh, the biggest problem is just, you know, for some getting started. For a uh, for getting started, it might be like trying to figure out the questions you're going to go and ask. So I always recommend starting with just a conversational pop-up. And a conversational pop-up is almost like a quiz within a pop-up. Uh, we have a lot of customers who are replacing their traditional pop-ups with them because instead of begging people for an email address in return for a discount, which doesn't provide value to the customer, it first asks, like, what do you need help with? What are you looking for? You can In this case, you can ask a single question. It asks the question, makes asks for the email so it can send you results, and then makes the recommendation within the pop-up. We see a 4x increase in the amount of email opt-ins that our customers get when they do that. We had one customer tweet out like they had a 1.5% conversion rate on their old pop-ups. Then they switched to us and they got to a 7.5%, like instant increase in the emails that they collected. And you only had to like do 5-10 minutes to go and get started. A quiz, you can take a little bit more thought. You might like... What are the questions I should ask and all that? We solve that by like having a team that can help you go and figure out that. We have a lot of experience doing that, as well as just uh, having you think about what would your associate ask if they were in the store and replicating those questions. A lot of the questions are pretty similar across different verticals. You know, the questions that beauty brands ask are pretty similar. The questions that like a fashion brand asks are pretty similar. And so like that's always like the biggest problem is like a little bit of like how do I go and get started? And just like super simple, start with a conversational pop-up. If you just get started that way, you're already like 50 steps ahead, but you need to start doing it now because you need to have that data set before third-party cookies go away, before Facebook ads you know, go further into the tank. That data is really critical, valuable. Even if you haven't like figured out how you're going to use it in your email today, you want to have that data available. No, and I appreciate you calling out, you know, obviously, if the information is already there on the store, then it's super easy to implement. That's definitely fair and worth calling out. Um, You know, I guess I know you've talked before about, you know, the alternative to these conversational pop-ups or these quizzes is going to a website, and I'm sure everyone's seen this, hey, give us your email, we'll give you a 20% off code, right, something like that. And this is a very tactical question, I'll, I'll say that up front. You know, when someone goes through the quiz or goes through the chatbot cycle, are you, do you still recommend that you give them some sort of discount code or anything like that? Or does the improved experience make it so that's not even really necessary at that point? Depends I'm on sure the that's brand. a case-by-case basis. It's exactly case-by-case. We see both. So some still offer the discount. It makes sense. It has a big increase in conversions. Of course it's going to. Um, but we see brand, some brands that don't do it, and they do really well as well. You, I would suggest EB testing it. I would suggest, depending on the kind of brand, you're a luxury brand, you're probably less likely to do that than, say, 
um, maybe a different type of brand. Nope, that's fair. Now, you know, a minute ago you talked about when you, at the end of this quiz, you have the gated screen. It says, hey, give us your email. We can send you the results, but it'll, you know, obviously still show it there in the pop-up. You know, so obviously that is great for consumers. It's not necessarily preventing them from seeing, you know, the results of the quiz. But what do you think are factors that would prevent a consumer for finishing a quiz, right? I mean, maybe aside from just it being too long, I guess I'll, I'd love to open that up. So one interesting thing is you don't actually need them to finish it get value out of it. So I'll give you an example. Uh, maybe you are a fashion brand, you ask the first question of what you're shopping for, shoes, pants, socks, underwear, and then they leave. They give you an email address or whatever. Because you probably have a Facebook pixel on your website, you can actually send that data into Facebook, and now you have a data point that you can actually use for ad retargeting and make a creative specifically for them. They said they're looking for shorts, you could show that customer a targeted ad, about like, hey, we've got some specific shorts that you might like. You already know that ad's gonna convert a lot better than a generic ad being like, hey, come back, we've got stuff, right? You're actually speaking to something. So you can get real value, even if they answer one question, even if they don't give you an email or phone number. But obviously, if they can answer all the questions, it's better off. I think a lot of it really just comes down to, like one, how fast it loads, which we've spent a lot of time making it load really fast. And two, like asking the right amount of questions, right? Like too few doesn't give any confidence. Too many people will eventually drop off, but you'd be shocked how many people will go through a lot of those kinds of questions. Um, and like making sure that it doesn't like tax the brain. And so this is why I like images because it's much easier to process like a couple big images and be able to choose from something like Glennetic, for example, has like five different quizzes with us, I think, maybe more at this point. And so like, it's easy to be like, what kind of eyelash? And you can see what a creased eylash looks like versus others. I've learned so much about eyelashes in the last like six months in particular. But like, you can get the see and see the visuals and the visuals help you make quick decisions on different things. Those are like some of the simple ways to like really make sure that people uh, increase the chance that they're gonna go and finish. Nope, I, I love that. Now, so once you have the user go through, you know, they finish the quiz, you've collected this data, you've talked a little bit about this already, but so, you know, how does a brand actually act on this data, right? You know, you got to segment the users, there's, there's lots of things you need to do in order to get it to a point where you can actually act on the personalizations. Can you maybe walk us through that a little bit in depth? So like acting on the personalizations in particular? So yeah, once you've got all of this data right that, uh, from the users, you know, right. how, how do you, you recommend that a brand goes you know, and actually acts on it? So number one, number one, number two, number three, connect it to your email and then SMS. But it's like, in, like we're probably, we're really for sure well known for our Clavio integration, right? We're actually announcing a whole new 2.0 integration coming soon, everyone. So with the integration with Clavio, you can actually send all these zero party data points into your email platform, not just the emails you've collected, which you've collected now more emails because quizzes just naturally have a higher opt-in rate, 20% or higher, versus the average 2% opt-in rate on site. And now you can reference that data in your email. And we actually have a complete guide that my co-founder CEO, Matt, came out with on, on our blog, and make sure to tweet or share it. But it goes into like how you step-by-step -step just do this personalization. Super simple things. Your welcome series, it could like the first email can reference like, you know, the right like, food for your cat and it can just change the cat or dog based on the way they answered and then the email can like have like you know the most popular products for that category or the actual results that they got from their results page another example is like you know 
you could have like a different email that gets sent based on the way they answer the question. They might say like they're big into workouts or they're big into nutrition. Could send a different email based off of that data. You start really simply uh, and then you go more forward from there, but you can change like with dynamic language, change what the text is in an email and especially in the title. That really helps. And then you do that and then you can do that for your post-purchase series, for your campaigns, for your flows, for your abandoned cart. Then for your SMS, you can see like every time you do this, you make more money. You keep on doing it, you make more money. It's just like start with one, keep on going. But email and SMS are for sure the two biggest. Um, there's some cool stuff, you know, that you could do on the website as well, which I think we'll be talking a lot more about next year. But that data you can even like send in into other places so that you can gain insights. We actually just announced uh, a new private beta for our Zapier integration. Zapier is actually how you say it, and allows you to send this data into a thousand different apps. You can leverage this data for deep levels of personalization. You could put it into a Google Sheet. You could send, you could, every time someone took a quiz, you could send it into Slack. There's a hundred possibilities as a result of this, but not kind of like going through a little bit, but email is number one, number two. And then you go on to the other places. SMS is usually the next one I would recommend. But just like, you know, all the email platforms have cool dynamic language pieces and, you know, custom flows where you can like change what email they get. That has a big impact. No, I, I love that. And it's, it's very easy to see the application there, right? Now, you know, we're, we're kind of coming up here. I only have, a, you know, a couple other questions for you. We've talked a lot about data privacy changes, obviously with Facebook, with the new iOS, with Google. Um, and we've talked about what the implications are for brands here. But, you know, maybe give us the, the case that you'd make to a brand over owner of what these changes are going to do to them and to their teams. What are the implications they should be aware of and, and be thinking about? I think for most brands, they're already seeing it. You're seeing a drop in, like, I talk with hundreds of store owners, and I've heard the same things. Like, their two biggest pain points right now are uh, ad conversions dropping, and thus ad, the amount they're spending on ads is increasing, uh, and supply chain issues. We can't solve the supply chain issues, but we can absolutely help you solve the first issue. Uh, but that's only gonna get worse over time because with third-party cookies gone, Retargeting as we know it is com going to be completely broken and it's going to take years to, for like the new strategy to be rebuilt and they're all going to be around do you have your own data set to do retargeting, to do ads, can you increase the conversion of like the amount of emails you collect, can you increase like instead of having to send, uh, show somebody five retargeting ads to bring them back five times before they give you their email address, what if it was only once, what if you never actually had to do it, but like the result is that it's not some small change. We're already seeing the change have a dramatic impact on e-commerce, and that change is only gonna get significantly bigger. And basically, brands that don't adapt to this will be dead. I'd like, I don't wanna sound hyperbolic, but if you're, not, if you're too reliant on ads right now and on third-party data right now, and you don't adjust for that in the next year, year and a half, you're screwed, just straight up. But there's lots of ways to go and adapt. There's lots of other channels to go and explore. But most of all, there's data to go and collect that you can use for all of your campaigns and all of your flows and all of your ads that will future-proof you, not to mention make you money today. Nope. And, you know, we've all seen how quickly things can change in the world of e-commerce, right? We saw it in the past year and a half. You know, we're continuing to see it. And, you know, to your point, anyone who says that, 
helping a consumer, you know, consumers don't necessarily want more choice. They want to be more confident in the choices that they're making. And so I think that, you know, the tools you guys are creating and what you guys are, you know, what you guys are doing at Octane AI, um, I think that that's really powerful. And I totally see what you're saying there. Now, you know, Ben, if anyone has questions about Octane AI, about your tool, um, or if they have questions uh, about hats, because you seem to have an awesome hat game going on, um, where can they get in contact with you or your team? I feel like I should just like switch up hats, you know, the whole thing. Bam. You know, I'll just keep on I love changing it. hats back and forth. <laughs> and for those who are just listening, yes, I'm just changing hats all the time, apparently. Um, at A man Octane of many hats. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes in the startup world, you have to wear multiple hats, right? Oh, my goodness. That's a good pun. I will have to uh, tell my girlfriend. She loves puns. I'll have to tell her that. <laughs> uh, at Octanei on everything. O-C-T-A-N-E-A-I.com. Uh, I actually strongly suggest you take our quiz on the on our site. We eat our own dog food. You can actually see what a personalized email flow looks like based off of collecting data. It also will give you like a step-by-step of like how to get started and the ROI based on your industry of what the zero-party data marketing can do for you. Uh, and then it's at Octanei on every social network. I'm at Ben Parr, B-E-N-P-A-R-R, on every social network if uh, you like hearing me talk about all sorts of things. Uh, but, yeah, take that take that quiz is probably the biggest one. We also have some amazing guides. We have a deep guide on zeropartydata, octaneai.com, slash playbook. We come out with these playbooks every year. So we're always just trying to create more content to like help educate our customers and our friends and our partners because a lot is changing. And we're doing a lot of research in this area and spending a lot of time in this area and trying to share some super actionable advice and feedback and, you know, detailed guides on how to, like, set up these flows, set up these, like, guided shopping experiences, collect this data. I love that. Everyone definitely go check out their resources on their site. And, you know, it's always great to to be that source of knowledge for, for people who need it. So, Ben, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. I really appreciate you sharing your time with us. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of e-commerce with coffee powered by Amber engine. If you haven't gotten your fix yet, be sure to get more e-commerce brand secrets on our website at amberengine.com. And don't forget to subscribe for more episodes.